This episode of the Nerdball Podcast is sponsored by Jake Paluski at Real JP Multimedia. He does the music for this podcast. He has produced this podcast. If you need anything audiovisual done, he is the man to see at realjp.com, R-E-E-L-J-P.com. You may have noticed my brand new logo. It was designed and created by Melanie at Cuttlefish Graphics. I was looking to rebrand my podcast, and Cuttlefish Graphics made the process so easy. The finished look of the logo and the professional files I received were amazing. On top of logos, Cuttlefish Graphics offers professional branding and websites. I could not be happier with the job that they did. To start your next project, email Melanie at CuttlefishGraphics.com. Mention you heard this ad on the Nerdball Podcast and receive a $50 discount on a new logo design. That's CuttlefishGraphics.com. C-U-T-T-L-E, FishGraphics.com. Let's start the show. Ray Pullman, president of the Perrysburg Board of Education, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. Thanks for coming out coming out and joining me on the podcast this week. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, you, I envision you whenever I see you that you're, um, I don't know if Perrysburg had a hospital, but I feel like you were born there if, you, <laughs> if they did. I just, you're all Perrysburg. Oh, thank you. Um, you're, you're president of the school board now, but you've had many roles in your years. Um, did, you, did you grow up here as a kid? No, I did not. I grew up in Toledo. And okay. uh, I came to Perrysburg in uh, 78 and 79. Okay. And um, where, what, how old were you when you came to Perrysburg then? I was 22. Okay. My, my, uh, my first teaching job out of college was at Defiance and uh, Defiance Schools, and I left there after one year to come to Perrysburg. Where'd you, where'd you go to school at? So I went to uh, uh, Matt Cumber High School mm-hmm. in Toledo, and there, from there I went to Bluffton College, and from there I graduated and worked at Defiance. Did you, had you always known that you wanted to be an educator? Yeah, I, I did. You know, I wanted to uh, continue to play football, so I went to a small college to do so. So okay. I played you know, at Macomber High School, and I played at Bluffton College. And uh, I, I wanted to go into education. Uh, you know, I wanted to be that coach, but then I thought, you know what, I want to teach math too. But I was a history major for two weeks. Oh, really? Two weeks. But then they want us to write too many papers. I'm not into writing. I'd rather read about it and look at the strategy. But, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll go to something easier like math. So I studied math for a career. <laughs> I'm totally the opposite. I, 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 I don't like math. I've said that several times on a podcast, and I'm sure their math teachers don't like that. But, um, but that, that's interesting. So two weeks is all, it, is all it took for you to be like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. You know, but, but at least you found that out really early, you know, because there's some people that'll go a year or two and they're like, no, I got to do something else. Yeah, I knew that real quick. When I was in high school, I was at a vocational school. Mm-hmm. So I took electronics, radio and TV repair and appliance repair and industrial electronics and then wiring houses. Mm-hmm. And a lot of math was involved with that. So I kind of liked that part of it. So that's why it's easy for me to switch over to math and, and uh, high school or in college and then... Make, become a major in mathematics. Yeah. What position did you play in high school for football? Uh, I was a defensive back and a backup quarterback to my brother. So oh, I, really? Yeah. How how much older is he? He was one year older. Okay. He was a lot better than I was, <laughs> so he could have that role. Yeah. I'd rather play defense. You can hit somebody versus get hit. Yeah. So yeah. I did that. And, but I loved it so much. I thought I'd go on and play again at the next level. But when you're 150, 155 pounds, that's not very big, you know. <laughs> But I could run like heck. So. Yeah. <laughs> so did you play defensive back at, at Bluffton? Too? I did. I played defensive back there. Yeah. Um, played free safety until I lost that position and moved to corner from there then. How did you, how'd you f- pick that school? Well, you know, um, it's funny you say that because I wanted to go to um, either Defiance or 
Adrian, Michigan, mm-hmm. because I think they were the Bulldogs and they're the Yellow Jackets. Okay. But Bluffton was the Bluffton Beavers. And, and I said, I don't like that nickname. Yeah. You know? So my mom, you know, I said, I'm not going to go there. She goes, no, you should go there. They're showing an interest in you. So my mom <laughs> influenced me. She said, that's where you should go. So oh, wow. that's where I went. So, so, so mom, mom pulled the mom card on that one. She did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and she was right. She was right. Well, you know, kids pick pick schools for all kinds of reasons, and and for you, that was that was one of them. Right, right? it was a beautiful campus. I mean, there's other reasons too. But oh yeah, yeah. The coach did show more interest in me, and the uh, campus was beautiful. I wasn't too far away from Toledo, you know, so mm-hmm. that's where I went, and I enjoyed the time that I was there. Did you play a lot while you were there? I did. I actually, uh, of course, your freshman year, they only had a JV team, so okay. I played there and special teams from there. Sophomore year on up, I started yeah. at secondary. Wow, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I just assumed, and a lot of people assume you play or just a coach plays in college, but I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cause I know kids ask me all the time if I play, and I said no, and I don't know if that, if that's uh, for them, if that's good or bad. That it, <laughs> I guess once I start coaching, then they figure it out. Yeah. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Well, I, I guarantee, I feel it now at my age when I go out <laughs> in the yard and work. I come in really crippled. It's like, wow, man, I'm sore. I go back to those years. I'm thinking that might have been a, not not been a smart thing to do. Yeah. Well, I, I think about I, my back is so horrible, and I tell my wife, I go, just think if I played college football, how much worse oh, everything would be. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a collision sport. There's no doubt. Oh yeah. Uh, so you made your way to Perrysburg, um, and as a math teacher and a coach, um, what? Because you didn't grow up in Perrysburg, what drew you here? Right. So I was at the junior high in Defiance, coaching at the high school and teaching the junior high. And mm-hmm. I, I liked the older student, the older uh, uh, child. And mm-hmm. so Perrysburg had an opening. So I come to interview at Perrysburg. And I came during the week. And there was a, it was in May. And I remember there was a league track meet. They said there's a league track meet at, at Perrysburg, a home meet. So you can come and look at that meet after you interview. I said, okay. So the interview was over. I go out to the track and I look. And it's like, Wow, these these times aren't very good. <laughs> these guys don't look very good for league meet. Yeah. Well, no one told me it was a JV meet. So, uh. was, uh, all right. So, <laughs> anyway, anyway, I remember that day. I remember that time. But uh, Bob Steinecker interviewed me. Oh uh, wow. Mr. Steinecker was one of the folks that interviewed me. Um, they offered me the job the following week or so, and then finally, when I got into the position to work that fall, the d- department head said to me, "You know, you're not my first choice." Oh. <laughs> I said, well, okay, thanks. But at least I was second choice then. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, that happens a lot everywhere where you might not be the first choice, but you, you get it, and then they realize, like, oh, this is the best choice. You yeah, know? well, I'm sure when I first started out, I wasn't the best choice for a lot of people. But, you know, you try to improve every year, every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I've grown a lot in the experience I had as an educator for 37 years. And, yeah. Uh, we never stopped learning. How'd you – so so I, I know you said you were learning, especially your first years. Um, what, what do you, what, do you remember any struggles specifically you had the first few years of just learning how to be a high school teacher? Uh, you know, not so much that you have a, when you leave college, you have a calculus degree, you know, you have a, all these bigger, higher level math courses. Then you go to teach your first year. Mm-hmm. They give you classes like general math part one and algebra one part two. And that's what you're teaching. Yeah. That was the struggle. In other words, okay. you're at a high math area for years, you know, and now you got to scale it back down to these kids, these young kids who aren't quite at that level, of course. Okay, yeah. And so you had to adjust and learn, hey, here's the speed, here's the content, here's the information. Um, it's, you know, it, it took me a while, a couple months, three months. Yeah. Oh, okay, I better slow it down a little bit here. Yeah, because you, know. <laughs> you know it so well, but then you got to remember, oh, they don't know it at all in some cases. Right, right. Yeah. And it's sort of backwards. When you get a, 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 somebody right out of college, it, 
you would think you could offer them the trig classes, offer them some of the higher level classes, and mix that in with some of the lower level classes. Yeah. Now they don't they don't even offer general math or algebra one part one. It's all algebra one, algebra, yeah. geometry, algebra two, trig, stats, what have you. So, yeah. but uh, that was that was the only struggle I really have when we say struggle. I really enjoy that age kid and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know watch them grow and mature, what have you. Yeah. Were you a coach right from the beginning? Yeah, I was hired in at Perrysburg. As a head girls track coach, okay, and I was assistant wrestling coach and assistant football. So, <laughs> so it's one of those things that you had. Three, and I wasn't married at the time either, yeah. so that makes a big difference. Oh yeah, and it wasn't shortly thereafter I got married, <clears throat> and I said, okay, I, I told the wrestling coach, I, I said, you know what, I, I'm going to resign from wrestling and just do fall and spring. Mm-hmm. After a couple of kids, I resigned from the track. <laughs> and so I had two, three children. Uh, resigned from the track position, but became an assistant track coach, which mm-hmm. is a lot different than, of course, when you're in charge of the program. Yes. And I maintained football coaching throughout my career, oh, about 27 years worth. Yeah. I, it was the same thing for me. When I, when I got moved up to varsity, I, I decided not to coach track anymore just because it's varsity football is more time and my kids are young and they're doing things and I can be a volunteer. I still volunteered. I liked it, but it freed me up because, as you know, track, track meets. Sometimes you don't get home until 8 o'clock, 9 right. o'clock at night. You exactly. Know? And it, it's fun to do, um, and eventually I'll get back into it once my kids get older, but there's, you just got to balance stuff around. Well, and you're, you have your priorities and your family yeah, is very yeah. important to you, and you're right. And track meets... Uh, Weekends at track meets yeah. are late. Friday nights are late. The weather's cold. You come home tired, but you got a family to attend to. And yeah. They're important because you know what? They grow up fast. Oh, yeah. So you need to enjoy them while you can. Yeah. What What was your, what did you coach when you were the track coach? I was a middle distance coach is okay. what I would uh, take. So I got to tell you, when I was a defiance, I was a track coach there also. Yeah. So my first year out of college, first job as a teacher, first job as a track coach. And the head coach said, okay, Pullman, you're going to coach shot and discus. <laughs> I never threw a shot put in my life. I was a 135-pound miler in high school and half-miler in high school. All right? We ran a 1,600 – or a, we ran a mile and a half-mile, 880 yards okay. is what it was, 1,760 yards. It wasn't 800 and 1,600. Okay. But anyway, he said, you're going to be a shot and discus coach. I thought, oh, my goodness. So I get books, right, and read them up a little oh, yeah. bit. But we had a real good discus thrower and a shot putter. His name is Eric Bat. I never forget his name. Mm-hmm. I just learned from him. So yeah. he taught me. I watched him, and then I coached the other kids. Right? <laughs> True story. Well, that's that's sometimes that's the way to learn. I mean, if you go to a job, you don't know what you're doing. They know you're going to follow, and it just so happened that this was a kid that you were learning from. But yeah. everybody can learn from somebody I, yeah. else. Yeah. I, and I guarantee you, I did not show them how to throw it. Yeah. <laughs> no did you way. say watch him? Yeah, watch this guy. <laughs> Notice how he goes around this circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, yeah, there's always coaching points, and even use use him like watch him, and then point exactly what he did. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> um, so, so you have, were those the three sports you you coached, and then you obviously you said you dropped those two, and then started stuck with football. Did you ever coach anything else? No, that's the three sports that yeah. I stuck with, and um, and I enjoyed them thoroughly. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was great for me to be involved that way, but also with my family, a priority to me and. Very special to me. It was time to give them more time. Yeah. So I stayed with football though because it was a passion of mine yeah. too, and and also I I was under some good coaches that I worked with and worked for, and it's a family, right? Yeah. Coaches oh, yeah. a family. You, you know, the coaches' sons and daughters grow up with our my sons and daughters, mm-hmm. and the wives get together and they hang out, you know, and so it was one big family for us in the coaching ranks too. Yeah. So how long were you an assistant? Coach, did, did you go through the rank like freshman, JV, varsity, or were you right, uh, varsity? Right, right. So I was freshman coach hired first. So okay. what we did back in the day when you're freshman coach, you went scouting. 
paper and pencil. Ah, okay. You scout. You didn't, didn't have film. You had film, but it was had to be developed first. Okay. Okay. So they sent scouts out on Fridays. You go out and watch the other teams' offense and defense, and write it down. And then you give a report, a very thorough report, to the varsity staff the next day. Wow. And they'll ask you questions. They'll ask you this, that, and they'll they want to know size, weight, positions, offense, defense, uh, schemes, mm-hmm. and you have to have an answer. Then we had to put posters together and graphics together and scouting reports in a packet. Well, then I became a uh, varsity assistant coach, and my first role was uh, coaching uh, linebackers, Okay, right, which is a new position. But yeah. I, ha- I had a good uh, mentor in Dave Nostrand. Mm-hmm. Dave Nostrand taught psychology. And yeah, I was, had him as a senior. Okay, he, yeah. was, he was a defensive coach. Oh, and okay. I learned under him and learned about the linebacker position. And then I worked for, you know, Chuck Pratt was a head coach, very successful coach at Perrysburg, 23 mm-hmm. years there, and had three undefeated seasons in his career. Um, I was his assistant defensive coordinator for years. 17 years I worked underneath Coach Pratt, and then I became head coach in 96 at Perrysburg, Perrysburg Football. Why? Wow. So between uh, Coach Pratt and you, there was two coaches for what? Um, he was. You said he was 23 years? He was 23 years. Mm-hmm. And you were um, over uh, close to, what, 10 then? No, I was uh, probably a total of five years five. as a head okay. coach. Okay. Mm-hmm. What happened, uh, I was offered the assistant AD's position, and... <clears throat> So I said, you know, I can't do both. It's, I just, mm, you know, okay. wearing myself down a little bit. But again, the family's getting older. So I, um, I stepped down as the head coach. Well, a difficult position, a difficult situation because yeah. I really enjoy what I was doing. But it was the right decision to make. My yeah. son was going to be a senior. He was a junior at the time. It was a great class. And then Coach Frank came in. Mm-hmm. He actually hired me as an assistant. Worked yeah, out I remember great you for me. Yeah. yeah. So it worked out great for me. And Matt Kriegel came in that time as an assistant. We mm-hmm. worked together. Again, I worked with the junior varsity team, worked with the scout team. Um, anything that they needed me to do, I, I just loved to be around the kids in football. Yeah. Um, then <clears throat> soon after that, um, Matt was hired. And then he hired me for his defensive coordinator. I was probably five more years with Matt. I was athletic director then. Yeah. I was hired to be athletic director. I'd leave football practice, go to the soccer, leave at 9 o'clock at night, <laughs> come home. Oh, man. Friday night was games. Saturday afternoon was soccer games. Yeah. So I said to Matt after about five years, you know, uh, Coach, as much as I hate to tell you this, it's time for me to focus on one thing. Yeah. I didn't want anybody – I did not want to go to any other contest if it's hockey or – well, let's say fall. Yeah. So if it's football and then I'm going to go from there to soccer games, I didn't want to look, look like I was tired or bored or uninterested. Mm, yeah. It was time then for someone else to do that and yeah. for me to stick with one role. Yeah. I, I want to go back to when you were the freshman coach in scouting. Was there ever a time where you were there? Saturday morning and they asked you a question and you didn't have an answer? You know, I can't think of too many because I didn't I didn't say anything except what I knew. Okay. But we did have one guy who who knew all about offense and defense, so we thought. And they asked <laughs> they asked him a lot of questions. But no, I I, I think they were pretty fair. You okay. know, they would ask you, you never would tell them what you think they should do. I think they should do this or I think they should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you tell them what you saw yeah. and they take it from there. You know, and then, of course, films change a lot. It went from the, uh, getting film developed to the VH to the 16 millimeter, mm-hmm. and then it went to the VHS, then it went to the, the CDs, DVDs, and then it went to what you have now is the huddle, right? Yeah. Which is yep, a fantastic online, online tool. Yep. But uh, times have changed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's good now for coaches and players to be able to have that huddle. You know, I when you're talking about just telling the coaches like what you saw, what you knew, and and because you couldn't, you couldn't, or you felt like you couldn't say you should try this or do that. That's how I felt um, as even as a freshman coach. Um, I didn't have to scout. I helped on Friday nights though with with Coach Kriegel and his staff. 
And um, when I became a varsity coach, the first year for me was I would just listen to everything because I didn't feel like I was I was at my point in my coaching career where I could like give <laughs> give advice or right. something, you know. But but it's tough to find that time or find like. Because at some point, if you want to rise up, you still gotta you you gotta do that. Right. And right. and and I did have a meeting with Coach Krieger one time, one off season, and I tell him I tell him this all the time when we talk about it. I think he was just humoring me because I had all those ideas and stuff, and he listened and he asked right, questions right. and stuff. And then nothing I said like we used, which is fine. I was just glad he I I was able to get it out and he listened sure. to me. Sure. Because it's tough. Well, they don't want head coaches do not want assistant coaches who are yes men, mm-hmm. but they want coaches who are going to give them input. But then they understand once the decision's been made in the coaching office, we take it out to the practice field, we take it to game night, that's the staff's decision. Yeah. And that's what we go with. So you wouldn't, as an assistant, head on down the road to go to the supermarket and someone said, what was that play call? And you'd say, yeah, I agree with you. No, you wouldn't do that yeah. because you're loyal as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you are a very loyal assistant coach. And it's, you're right, you're a sponge your first couple of years, you, you listen, you watch, you learn, and then you're feel more relaxed that you can offer some input and that's yeah. what a head coach wants they want yeah. input they don't want yes men well then yeah and, and and a good coach would exactly what you said like w- want input from everybody else because the the best head coaches will will say or should say that they don't know everything or in even little things like if we're working on this particular run play like okay this is how we're going to run it and then the off- offensive line coaches well we can't do it because of this and this and like oh okay well good i'm glad you said that we got to change it mm-hmm. you know but it's good and i've been a part of coach Kriegel's staff for a while now and he was great at that he and i watched him even as a freshman coach i watched him let his coaches coach right and even when i became part of that and i asked him i go was that just something you've always done he said yeah he goes there's if i if i'm going to hire I know I'm hiring good coaches. There's no reason for me to micromanage everybody. Right. And that's a very successful head coach when they do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember over the years, different things are happening, but football for, for the athletes themselves and for coaches, it's, it's such a team building thing. It's, it's so good to be involved for young men and, and, and women involved in other sports that they're involved with. But I remember in 96, Perrysburg and Maumee game, we got like three years in a row, Maumee beat Perrysburg. Mm-hmm. It's my first year as a head coach. We beat Maumee. I'm talking to a few people from the press. I turn around to Doc Thomas, who was a great defensive back coach, who was a great man. He, um, Doc passed away a couple years ago. And Doc was on the phone with me for many years upstairs. Oh, okay. upstairs. I'm on the field. I said, Doc, where, where's the team? He says, they took the bell, and they're running with it down the street. They're going to carry it home. I said, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to get fired. So, you know, I, I left. I'm running down, down the past the stadium, down towards Harm's carpet, trying to catch up with the team. I'm running this distance. <laughs> Finally, the police are after the kids, you know, and they pull them, they stop them, and I catch up to them. They said, guys, we got to get on the sidewalk. I'll walk with you, mm-hmm. but we can't be in the street with this bell. <laughs> the police said, you can't even walk with them. So they got the truck, put the bell in the truck, got buses. The guys got on the bus. We went to Perrysburg, got off by uh, Commodore Perry, mm-hmm. and then they could walk it through Perrysburg. Oh, nice. But I thought, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I was in trouble. <laughs> and then there was a coach named Hella Fontaine from Maumee. Real quick story here. Yeah. Hell was a head coach. Great man. Great, You know, Perrysburg and Maumee coaching staffs got along so well. Okay. Great sportsmanship, but very competitive in athletics, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the team's the same way. But we beat Maumee that night, one particular night, and Coach LaFontaine came up to me and said, Pullman, you'll never beat me again. He retired that year. Oh, did he? <laughs> he <laughs> knew story. it. Yeah. He knew it. Yeah. But speaking of Maumee, how do you feel about them leaving the NLL? Well, I think, uh, again, for their student athletes, it's a good decision for mm-hmm. 
I hate to see that. I yeah. really think it's always been and has been a very good rival for them. But you know, if you if you look at the basketball, baseball, look at the sports, football, it's been difficult for them to compete with the size, the number of athletes that they have, number of boys and and the girls in their school system. Compared yeah. to Perrysburg, we've got over seventeen hundred kids. Yeah. So, and you know, Anthony Wayne's a very large school too, and Sylvania School. So I think it was a good decision that they made for them. Yeah. I hope maybe they can still have some sort of a game. Maybe it's not going to be the rival game, but yeah. maybe still have a cross river type of uh, competition at some point. Baseball, maybe hockey. You know, track, but it's not going to happen to what twenty five. I think it's twenty three. Is that what, or twenty three? Maybe it's twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. yeah, but it, it's good for them to do so. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the city league when Woodward and Start and Rogers when they left and formed their own league, yeah, that's good for the kids because now week in and week out you can compete. Yeah, there's nothing worse than going out and working hard summer and fall and, and practicing, and you go out Friday night and you don't win, mm-hmm. and you lose five or six in a row. Three consecutive, four consecutive years, you're not winning ball games. That's difficult to keep an interest out there. It's tough on coaches, tough on the kids. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's a good decision on their part. Well, hopefully for them too, because I know some of their, I mean, a lot of their good athletes decide to go to school somewhere else. You know, once they get to high school, um, I know they're the big recruit for St. John's, Thomas Ciceros, um, was a mommy kid, and he's going to UT for, to play football. Mm-hmm. But he was from mommy, so a lot of those kids are leaving because probably because of the you know winning. Winning keeps everybody happy, and they're gonna and they're gonna stay there. So hopefully, with them moving and being able to compete more, it'll help them keep those their own kids too. Absolutely, because everybody struggles with that. So yeah, absolutely, you know. yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, was that a huge um, thing when you were coaching, as far as kids going to private schools? Well, yeah, it happened a lot. Is you it? know, and it's it's a legal thing to do. Yeah. of course. You know, yeah. St. John's, St. Francis, and and uh, Central they attract a lot of the Perrysburg kids, Rossford kids. Our goal then at Perrysburg was, you know what. We're going to get it the best we can get facility-wise. Yeah. So that's what's been the, our goal for a long time. It takes a while, and it's community support, taxpayers' dollars to help get the facilities up to par. We built the new high school, built the new gym, the mm-hmm. wrestling area, the baseball area, the outdoor track. Thank goodness for Churchill's and the support that they gave there. Yeah. And we, um, Mr. Leland with the support he gave for the baseball field and the softball field. So, uh, And then we've got the Huskinson Center. We've got the Whittle Field, Ken Whittle and his family. We continue to make improvements to our facilities um, and I think that's helped keep some students here. Mm-hmm. Now, let alone the academics. Let's not forget the academics. Correct. You know, I Correct. think what we provide in academics for our, our community is, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so to get the education is number one and, and the athletic arena number two. And then you can go to the theater productions, our music, oh, yeah. our band, our awesome. orchestra. Yeah. You know, all of our, our staff members, our, our faculty do a fantastic job with all the extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons why... I really wanted to stay involved somehow when I retired, and that's why I ran for the Board of Education. Yeah. You know, um, I, I like going to the junior high games, like basketball games and track and stuff, because I talk to kids. I like to talk to kids about football or even coming out for track um, and, and recruiting these kids and, and keeping them in our community and, and meeting the parents. And I always tell people I think the parents – are the most important ones when you're trying to keep kids just in Perrysburg, involved in Perrysburg, even if they stay in Perrysburg, but involved in the sports and stuff. Because if they're, they're still young kids, so if their parents are into it, then they're going to attract their kids to stay into it. And I think with, obviously, the facilities and everything is good for the kids, but all the stuff you said about academics and, and all the other extracurriculars, that's good for the parents. If they see all that stuff, then it's going to attract them to stay here. Absolutely, absolutely. We want them to stay in our community, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so after you... you we're done coaching football. You you were the athletic director um, for multiple years, for five years. You said, 
um, what was some of the some of your struggles? And I I keep saying struggles, but some um, stuff you learned about being an athletic director. Once you were fully into it, mm-hmm. um, did you was it easier than you thought? Was it harder than you thought? What was your thoughts on that? Um, there were a few surprises, um, but nothing else. Um, so I was seventeen years totally in the athletic department mm-hmm. as an assistant and then the head athletic director. My first uh, hire as athletic director, I, I, I still taught classes. I wanted to still teach. Okay. So I taught a statistics class. So I had two classes of stats. I taught trig and algebra two. Well, then I just taught algebra two and stats and then just taught statistics. Because um, I actually had uh, the kids receive college credit from Oberlin College. So I enjoyed teaching the higher level class with okay. statistics. Um, so I would teach stats and I'd go to the office and I would do the athletic stuff. That happened about about one year, and the phone, the, the messages on the phone, the, the emails that you, you, you were just swimming coming back in the office. Uh, okay. But I love the kids so much in the classroom. I really love teaching. All the years I was in the classroom, as, and I still coached. I still taught all day. Then went to coaching. I still taught. and was assistant AD. And then I was teaching as athletic director. I couldn't keep the teaching load. Yeah. So I went to the principal at the time, and I said, you know, I, I, I just can't do both anymore. And he said, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we knew that. <laughs> So as athletic director, then once I got out of the, cl- the classroom, it became a little bit easier. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say the biggest challenges um, in anything that you do is that everybody else has an opinion on your decision. Yeah. And that's okay as long as a respectful disagreement or respectful opinion. That, that's all. That's all that I care about. But it seemed as though as time went on, email um, became a way people could vent. Yeah. So when you made a decision about a disciplinarian situation or who you hire for a coach um, or a decision made on an event that you played. You, maybe you changed the game from a 6 o'clock start to a 5 o'clock start because the weather was coming in and you wanted to get the game in. Um, those decisions that are, were made with a lot of discussion first, in-house discussion, mm-hmm. talk to the principal, talk to the assistant AD, talk to the head coach. Um, you have people that were quite passionate about their opinions <laughs> that's what that's what i didn't care for and my wife said well ray you can't please everybody and she's yeah, right you yeah. can't make everybody happy i can only make the make the best decision um based upon the information i have at hand and then then run with it mm-hmm. and go full steam ahead well email makes it <laughs> makes it so easy to tell people what you think because you don't have to say it to their face absolutely <laughs> and i was taught a long time ago when this computer world first came out that an email came out you can type something and reply to somebody if if you're upset about something. Don't send it. Yeah. Just sit on it for a night, sit on it for a couple hours, go back and reread it and tone it down. Mm-hmm. And, or don't even send it at all. Because once you send it, it's not coming back. Yeah. So yeah. I always make sure I'm very careful about that. I'd rather have a face-to-face conversation because you can read the, the body language mm-hmm. and uh, you can have a conversation that way. But email, it's hard to gear it when someone... <laughs> Tells you a few things that uh, contrary to your decision. Yeah, but again, it's okay. They have a right to their opinion. Yeah, correct, but, correct. But it's just a respect. Just, mm-hmm. just respect the fact that we've spent a lot of time thinking about this. We just didn't say, "Oh, we'll just pull this card out." And oh, yes, yeah, so what we'll do today. We thought through whatever we came up with for that decision. Yeah. And speaking of big decisions, you were you were there when they started and getting everything for the turf field. Yes. And the Huskinson Center. Yes. How 
how many years was that in the making before it finally came through? Right. So I'll give you a little history on that. So one of the things, I was at inner city school, mm-hmm. Toledo School, Matt Cumber. We were down on Adams and 17th. We had to go to City Park to practice. And before practice started, Bob Momsen, my, who was my head coach, who was actually a great guy, uh, played for the uh, Ohio State University, Okay, uh, played at, uh, for the Detroit Lions. Wow. And anyway, uh, we would line up and walk the field, make sure there wasn't any glass, any bottles, any stones, any rocks. There's no water at practice because that was back in the day. You got salt tablets and no water yeah. until practice was over. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Okay, yeah. so that was back in the, you know, I played in 70, 74. So. Yeah. Water's for the week. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but they gave you two salt tablets before you head out to practice on a two-a-day. So I'd come home with some serious headaches and think, well, how did I get these wow. headaches? Yeah. But, but anyway, and I said, when I, when I got to be a coach, I said, there's no way. We had a nice crown field at Paris on the grass, mm-hmm. but where I was standing on the sidelines to see a pass thrown on the other side of the field, I couldn't see it yeah. because of the, 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 I was not a very tall guy. Yeah. The people upstairs would say, yeah, it was complete or it was intercepted <laughs> or it was incomplete. But the fact is, the grass wasn't getting cut. Mm-hmm. The field wasn't getting lined because the grass grew like crazy. Some, you know, and, and so you're playing freshman and JV games with the grass up to your ankles. And I said, we got to do better than this. And then soccer comes along. Now we have lots more contests out there. And so now, August, the field looks beautiful. Become October, it's all mud. Yep. It's all mud. I played in some of those mud games. Okay, so you know what that's like. No one's fault, but we had six soccer games a week out there. We had freshman JV and football games Mm -hmm. out there. You had junior high football games out there. It just, the the grass fields can't handle that. So what we did, we reseeded it once. Then we sodded it. So one season, seeded, came up. Same thing, wore out. So then we played Savannah Southview one game, and um, toward the end, it was for a championship game. It was raining, it was pouring, it was muddy. It rained all day. So we go, Southview goes down the sidelines carrying the football. A guy named uh, Steve Reddick. Yep. And, and, and uh, there was TJ, uh, O'Ray uh, o, uh, o Fontanigan. Oh, yes. Yep. Went to make a tackle, they slipped right off. Southview scores, Southview wins. And I said, doggone it, the elements. All right, everybody plays on both sides. It, yes. it, it rains on both sides. I know all that. But if it was a playing field that wasn't mud and wet, Perry's bring might have won that championship. Yeah. All right, that's just what I'm saying. <laughs> but we, we sodded it then. Uh-huh. So then we got sod. The sprinkler system wasn't working. So I'd go out there in the summertime once the sod was laid, and I would manually operate the sprinkler mm-hmm. system. I'd take a book and water the field at night. So the sod took... Again, September was great. Middle of October was good. But the third week of October through November, terrible. Yeah. That's when we made the push for turf. So Dr. Klein was a superintendent at the time. That was my first letter to Dr. Klein about we got to do something about this. We started investigating turf. What kind do we like? How much is it going to cost? What can we do? Can we fundraise? And, uh, and at the time, it wasn't a, a thing for high schools. No, really. it was not. Yeah. No, it was not the thing for high schools at all. Well, soon thereafter, then uh, Dr. Klein retired, and then um, re- yeah, retired, and then uh, Mr. Hostler became the superintendent. We began fundraising. We had a great campaign, great committee of Dave Matoliak, who was a booster president, Ken Whittle, who was part of the boosters. Mm-hmm. Um, we we had several boosters involved with this campaign to fundraise, and the fundraising went up and down. Oh, we got it going, then it goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long story short, here it turns out then we had some great sponsorship. Through Mr. Whittle's family, yeah. Mr. Whittle made a, a beautiful donation that we could get the uh, turf purchase, get it laid out. We got a loan. The school got a loan. The community um, through through the local bank, 
And uh, once uh, Mr. Whittle's insurance policy on his parents came due, that's how the turf was paid for. But okay. in the meantime, the athletic boosters and the athletic department was paying the bill. So the loan was paid yeah. through the athletic department and the athletic boosters. Oh, but wow. because of Mr. Whittle's generosity and his family, uh, we do have that turf field. So yeah. it is known as Whittle Field. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I love that wherever you go in Perrysburg, there's a name that somebody helped because they're so involved in the community. You talked about Churchill's for the track. Um, even the Huskinson Center, like all these things have different names, you know, Leland Field, even your name is on is when yep. you pull into the junior high. And, and it's important. I think it's important for kids, not only kids, but the families to realize like there's there's families in the community that support them so much like here they are. Mm-hmm. And you can be a part of that, too, even if, if, if as, as big as them or as little as sending your kids here and and buying their magazines or buying their cookies when they're paying when they're selling cookies and all that stuff. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And we've hired a development director in Jeff Apke, who's really been instrumental in getting some of these donations yeah. for many causes, for many things. And Huskisson, Jeff Huskisson and Laurie Huskisson with the Huskisson Center was a big springboard. And Ray Frick, mm-hmm. uh, Frickers. Um, springboard for the uh, Huskinson Center to be built, which is a fantastic facility. Because you think about it where you lockered, the locker room you used in the junior high school was outdated. Yeah. You can put all the fresh paint you want on, <laughs> on the walls. You can polish the floor all you want. Yep. It was so small yeah. with two toilets, right? That yep. was it. Yep. And you had 60-some guys in there trying to use facilities. And for soccer, they didn't have a place to go. Yeah. Lacrosse didn't have a place to go. So that facility is great for all of our athletes, for the fall, and we got a great uh, winter in program inside yep. basketball and for volleyball. And if you look outside, uh, we've got great facilities outside. We just got to get tennis courts up, and then what? Then we'll be all set. <laughs> is that is that a, has anybody have those in the plans? Uh, it's in the plans. Is it's it really? going to take okay, some nice. time to spin it out, but it is yeah. in the plans. I think it's on the PI coming up down the and I think that uh, some fundraising is taking place. But it's been talked about. There's been some designs, but again, it's like this. Yeah, you know, it's it's like a sine wave. You, you ride the wave and you. <laughs> And you go back up again. Yeah. It'll it'll take place and it'll happen. Though. And it's it's one of those for the people who are involved in all that fundraising. Like you just got to stay the course because, like you said, it's an up and down thing. You can't get frustrated. Just as long as it's slowly going up like a roller coaster, then then you'll get there. Right. You just got to ride it out. Exactly. And we're very thankful to the folks like Mr. Leland, Mr. Mm-hmm. Huskisson, Mr. Whittle, the folks that who are alumni because Mr. Whittle graduated from Perrysburg High School. Oh, okay. And he wow. went on to play baseball at Bowling Green State University. Of course, Mr. Leland. Everybody knows Mr. Leland. Yeah. You know what he did but i remember i was on the phone with him a couple of different times to talk about fundraising to talk about donation and he's always been very much a contributor to perrysburg athletics for years and years and years yeah. he did it anonymously he didn't want people to know oh, okay but i was talking to him about being instrumental to this new project and it might help out and uh he could be the springboard for that baseball field to be a mm-hmm. first class facility and i remember one time i talked to him and i was talking to him a little bit i said i'll call you back another day you know and I go home, and my wife's watching the Tigers play. I says, is this a replay? She says, no, it's live. Oh, my goodness. I just talked to Jim Leland. He must have been in the dugout or, or, in, the, <laughs> oh or in his office. Gosh. But I was a little embarrassed. The next time I called him, he's playing golf, right? So, but anyway, finally one time over the phone, he made a, a, a nice contribution to get the, the Leland field and to get the baseball going. Of course, mm-hmm. it was a lot of these projects, too, are community taxpayers in addition to the fundraising that we do. So yeah. it's, it's a combination of both private and public support. Yeah. You know, and, and I've seen um, people talk about because they want to use like just people on Facebook talking about how they want to use the track or whatever. You know, we help pay for it. But it's still, if we just let the gates open, it wouldn't be nice. Right. Like people, people would abuse it 
you right. know, and, and just know that everybody appreciates and understands that, yes, taxpayers helped pay for a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that, that still doesn't mean we can just have free reign all the time. Right, right. No, they need to be taken care of. Yeah. Right? We'd love to see, like, I know the junior high school, the gates can be opened in summertime and people can walk the track and run the track. And what what happens, a lot of people hop the fence, too, you yeah. know, get in there. But, you know, you're right. When you, when you have something... The facilities need to be taken care of, both the athlete, the coach, the, not only the custodial, you know, but everybody has to chip in. If you see a piece of, piece of paper on the turf, you pick it up. Yeah. You throw it away. Can I, tell I know you? I did that. Oh, I was I just going to tell you, I was always <laughs> terrified. Like, whenever I knew somebody was, like, uh, chewing gum or sunflower <laughs> seeds, and here you come, and I tell them, like, you're going to get in trouble right now. <laughs> and I think you, I think I remember you making somebody pick up all their sunflower shells. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to spit seeds. Yeah, yeah. But tell the ADs and coaches, our opponents, teams coming in, no seeds, mm-hmm. no gum. Because mm-hmm. of gum, you got to freeze and cut it out. The seeds are hard to pick up, and you can't sweep them out. Yeah. So the thing is, people don't know what it took to put that turf in there, the work, the fundraising, the effort, the sweat equity. It took a lot of work. So you got to keep it clean and yeah. take care of it, right? Yeah. So when someone comes and spits their gum out, that just tells me that's disrespectful. Yes. Or spit their seeds out, that's disrespectful. You don't even do that. You're not supposed to have them. We told you ahead of time. But yeah, <laughs> I'll pick up whatever you see. But I learned that from Doc Thomas, because Doc Thomas would pull weeds out of the game field when oh. we were practicing. Or on a practice field, he pulled weeds out. See, back in the day, we had a water practice field. Mm. We pulled those rain trees out, and when they would not guide themselves, when they were broken, yeah. we had to move them every hour or so oh, around wow. practices. And Doc would pull weeds, so the <laughs> practice field would look nice. <laughs> you know, that, well, that was, I remember seeing you when I was in high school, maybe a little bit after two, of you watering the green acres all the time. Yeah. Pulling those hoses around, and, and just to, just to, because those fields could get hard right, if right. they were not watered there's no reason why any athlete should be out of a game because they have shin splints oh, right okay. yeah right yeah. so i mean if you get a bump or a bruise i get that a pull muscle that i understand that but you got shin splint because the ground was too hard yeah. so i said well you can water it that's yeah. what the that's what the sprinkler system's for but again those were those wheelie birds that mm-hmm. would go on their own but then they broke the strings broke and you had to move them around yourself i can see you pulling the hoses around yes yeah. yes <laughs> All for the kids. Yes. All for yes, the kids. Definitely. Yep. And and well now the the junior high has their own football field, which has a nice sprinkler system now. Yes. And, and it's always it always looks really good. Uh, Steve Windsor a few years ago um, blew the paint budget. I remember one day because he put a honeycomb honeycomb <laughs> all throughout the end zone, both yeah. end zones. And yeah. I think Scott Buecher was the AD at the time. I was like, what are you doing? We don't have enough yeah. money for that. <laughs> well, those fields, the fields used to go east and west. The goalposts. Yes, post. that's and, when I when I played there. Okay. That. Yep. Well, we took uh, we went took a team to Pitt, Pittsburgh, for a seven-on-seven. As a matter of fact, LeBron James was actually playing on one of the football teams that we were going against. My son was, I believe, a sophomore at the time. So we went and competed there. It was a good experience. It was a quarterback camp. It was a good seven-on-seven. And we noticed how they were set up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought, I like that. So I came back, and I talked to the parents, and we got everybody together, and we said, all right, let's redo this facility. So now you see what you have there. We have... I think we have at least three practice facilities. Yes. Uh, now that we have the turf, there's, that's in itself a practice field, too. Mm-hmm. There's nothing better than practicing on your game field. Yes, There's nothing better, nothing yeah. better. So anyway, it's been parent support along the way. It's helped getting our facilities where they're at today. And do you, throughout your years at Perrysburg, I'm sure you've seen that all the time, just parents supporting everything. Oh, we, we are very fortunate at Perrysburg to have that support. Mm-hmm. Really, we've been blessed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, now you're a part of the board, the school board, but you're president now. Before that, you how many years were you on the school board? 
Well, uh, this is my second term. So my first term was, uh, you know, this is on my fifth year. I'm going on my, uh, actually, we're five and a half years in. Okay. So my first term, four years was up. I'm a year and a half into my second term. So before I ran for school board, of course, athletic director, I was president of the teachers union too. Yeah, I, I just I yeah. noticed that or saw that when there was articles about it. Well, my wife, was, she's been very, very helpful for me. She's straightened me out to what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so what she said, I'd come home from practices once and uh, this is happening with the union and this is the pay raise they're going to give us and this is the benefits. Uh, complaining, right? She goes, don't complain, get involved. Then you'll know. Don't complain. Get involved. Then you'll know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did. So I ran for an office on the the Perrysburg Education Association. They soon asked if I'd be president. So Dave Nostrat and I alternated president and vice president for years. Okay. And so that gave me some nice exposure uh, to how it works on that side of the table. Okay. So then when I was ready to retire, I said, I still want to be active in Perrysburg somehow. And so some folks talked to me about running for school board. Mm -hmm. Um, because I have an idea how the school system works. I have an idea what teaching's all about. Mm-hmm. In administration, I have an idea about that. So I did. But I tell you what, being in my first two years on the school board, I didn't know anything. I mean, really? it was like, wow, this is a different side of the table. Yeah. And how much you learn, 84% of your budget is spoken for. It's people. Wow. All right, 84%. Yeah. So you're talking about maybe 16% of the budget you have anything to do with as a board member. Seriously. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can talk negotiations. You can talk about things that way. Um, it's been challenging with respect to the number of issues that come up that are unexpected issues. Mm-hmm. But I've been very blessed uh, with the team that we've had and members we've had on the board um, that we've worked together and, and on, on some tough, tough things yeah. that, that we've had to work with. And um, I was vice president for two years under Jarman Davis as president. And then uh, the last two years I've been president of the board. Yeah. Do you find it hard to... You were you were a teacher for a long time. You were the president of this teachers union, and now you're on the other side. Do you find it hard to be on the other side to try to because you know no, like what, yeah. what they want? And I get accused of that by some folks that say, "Well, you know, he wouldn't be fair in negotiation. He would be all for the teachers." Yeah, you know, you're not representing our taxpayers. That's what they would say, but they don't know me. Yeah. I've always said, on either side I've been on, we need something that's fair and equitable. Mm-hmm. Fair and equitable to the taxpayer and to the staff. You got to take care of your staff. You got to take care of your taxpayer. Mm-hmm. So we never, ever, in my, for me, ever did anything but what was fair, equitable. Mm-hmm. And um, as a negotiator on for the teachers when I was a PEA president, and now currently in, on the board, it's all about fair and equitable. Mm-hmm. And we've got administration too. They're the same way. I mean, su- Superintendent Hostler is very much the same way. Mm-hmm. He was a teacher too, so he yeah. knows what that's all about. <laughs> But but again, those that don't know me, they they don't understand. They think it's a conflict of interest because I was on the other side. Mm -hmm. But I certainly understand what they're going through as teachers. I don't understand what they went through this year. I'm hearing what they've gone through. I've not experienced what they've gone through. But this COVID year, since last March of six March 16th to currently March, is has been very challenging for every educator all over the country. Did you? I'm, and this is going back to you know people aren't happy with decisions you make. Um, I'm sure there was maybe an equal split split when they decided to when you guys decided how to start school this year and yeah. and, and how it's going. Right. So the way that worked, Lorenzo, was we weren't experts. I was not an expert on COVID. Yeah. I don't know who was. Right. I mean, people can read all they want to read, mm-hmm. um, but we had to go to the experts, Mr. Hostler. He did, he did that. He coordinates the Northwest Ohio superintendents. He's very active in the state. 
So what we did, we brought in the um, folks who are in charge of medical decisions. So ProMedica, we brought them in, and we had a conference with them. Actually, it was Zoom. The epidemiologist, the experts in disease and viruses. Okay. We talked to the health director right off the bat. This is back in July, and we're making decisions about August school. So we're hearing we read about things, we talk with people, we research our own. Of course, you hear Dr. Fauci, and you hear the government, and you hear the, the governor, and you hear the president, all these folks and, and what they're saying. And, and so we had to come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. And, and Mr. Hosser and his administrative staff came up with a plan, presents it to the board, we talk about it, and uh, we come together with consensus and run with the plan that was implemented this past August. And as our goal has always been, let's get these kids in school five days. Yes. But let's do this. Get them in school five days safely for both the students and the staff. Because remember, you've got staff that may have some underlying health conditions that we aren't privileged to know about. Correct. You know, people keep things to themselves, yeah. right? And they ought to. Yeah. It's their privacy. So custodians, cooks, um, playground monitors, you know, cafeteria workers, teachers. We want to make sure that they were protected. So they were going to a, an environment that was they felt safe, including our students. Mm-hmm. Again, remember, we didn't know what this virus was all about. We know more now today than we did even two weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So when we made decisions, last spring wasn't bad. This fall, as we got into the fall and then into the winter and then after the winter, yeah. people got more opinionated, which is fine. Correct. Again, like, like I said, said earlier, yes. like I said earlier, fine. Give it, you know, but again, respectful, respectful. Give us your opinion, respectfully. Yes. And but we want to because we do want to hear from the community. That after all, that's who we represent. Mm-hmm. We represent the community. We the board hires a superintendent and we hire a treasurer, and we deal with policy and procedure. Mm-hmm. That's our main role. Yeah. Okay. So by representing the community, we have to hear from them. And I talk with people too. I talk around with folks, but my the folks in the, my population are different than Mrs. Downs or Mrs. Eubank. Or, or Mr. Bennington, or Mrs. Larimer. They all have a different population group they talk to, and mm-hmm. we come together with some sort of a consensus then after we talk. People don't realize, we don't just meet on Monday nights and they see us on live stream and uh, YouTube. We'll meet on a Tuesday morning. Then we'll go from there. We have two or three committees we serve on. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are about 14 committees for the, the board, and we split up two members to take and be a, uh, on three different committees throughout the next two weeks. Okay. So you're meeting the next two weeks with the committee meetings. Then you have a Monday night meeting. So there's three weeks out of a month <laughs> where you're meeting, all right, yeah. at least probably five or six times. Mm-hmm. So we can make decisions based upon those things, but you may not see the vote to take place till Monday, okay. Monday evening. So they might think, a lot of people might think, and myself included, they meet, they meet on a Monday and that's when all their decisions are made. Correct. That's yeah. what they may think, and yeah. I can see why. Yeah. It's really been helpful now that we can stream to do the YouTube mm-hmm. because before uh, people really didn't attend the meetings much. You know, they would only if there was a hot issue they would attend. Yeah. But I think it's great that we're out there and people can see exactly what we're doing. Uh, now they don't do the live stream for committees. Like there's a transportation committee, there's a finance committee, there's yeah. a policies committee. And I can go on and on and on. There's just so <laughs> many committees that there's decisions are being made. Yeah, and uh, or thoughts are brought up or concerns are brought up 
And then Mondays, you see the voting take place. Mm-hmm. And usually we can vote on Tuesday, too. But we can't do any voting until we're all five together oh, at a public okay. meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I've only been to one student or student um, school board meeting, and it was uh, when there was an issue with Coach Hall. That's the, oh. that's the only one I've ever been to. And a lot of people went to that one. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you, you're, being on, you're on a school board now. And did you, a, as the president now, is it what you thought it would be? And, and are you glad you're the president? Oh, I, I'm just glad I'm on the school board. Okay. Being president or not is not really as important to me. I like to lead. Mm-hmm. I, I like to. Well, or, you showed that, I yeah. like to organize. Yeah. Uh, I don't like things that are not organized. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when policies or procedures aren't followed. If, if time schedules are not met, yeah. you know, I, just that <laughs> my my wife says I'm just too anal about things, right? <laughs> but I just so yeah, I like to coordinate and organize. And yeah. so being in that role, I can do such. You know, Mr. Hosser makes we make the agenda uh, for the meetings, and we talk about different things that we want to bring up at the agenda of the meetings. And then I can call the different members uh, just to organize things for the meeting. So yeah. I, I like that part. Now, don't get me wrong that if someone else in another year wants to take president. That's fine, too, because I certainly would serve as that member yeah. and be active, but not near as active as a school board president would have to be. How, how does the president, because you don't, when you run for school board, you don't run for, do you run for the president or do you just run for a board member? You run for the board. Everybody's one fifth of the vote. Uh-huh. Everybody has five board members. So one fifth of the vote. And then uh, the board members elect the officers. Okay. So you have a president, and then you have a, a vice president that okay. they select. And they select that uh, in January. Mm-hmm. So of, of all your roles, and, and I may know the answer to this, but of all your roles that you've served with in the Perrysburg community, if you only had to do one this whole time you've been here, which one would, would it be? Well, does teaching and coaching go together? Because that's do what not. I really like. They do not. But I, my, and I'll tell you my guess. My guess was you'd want to be a teacher. <laughs> I do. I, I love the kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not so much the math concept either. I mean, I, I, we taught it. We expected our standards were high, and I, that's all good stuff. But I just love being with the kids. I'll give you an example. We had one, one student who, who did not pass Algebra two. He's just junior. He he has a senior year. He has me for his teacher. Mm-hmm. And he comes up and says, Mr. Pullman, I'm not a very good student, but uh, here I am. I'm a senior. I said, okay. He's doing his work. He's trying. He's right. He's not a very good student. It wasn't easy for him. Yeah. He said, tell you what, we're going to do a contract, you and me. Here's a contract. Show up every day. Ask questions. Do your homework. You'll get a D at least. Okay. I mean, make an every attempt. I mean, yes. You're going to yeah. numbers. You're going to pass this class. Uh, guess what? He passed the class. Yeah. All right. Now, was he going to go out and be a math major? Was he going to be an engineer? I don't know. But you know what? I saw him five or six years later. Mm-hmm. He came up to me and he thanked me. Yeah. And and that's what to me is that's what teaching's all about. Mm-hmm. It's building the character. It's helping that that child. I say child. I know they're they're fifteen years old to <laughs> seventeen, eighteen years old. But helping them succeed in their life. Mm-hmm. Helping them through their most complicated times of their life, which is adolescence and yeah, being oh, a yeah. teenager. Yeah. So it's not about oh you don't know this math. I'm going to put a big red x on that paper i did i did not like putting any type of big red x's you mm-hmm. had to do it mm-hmm. i put a small red x <laughs> but i love kids and that's why yeah. i was in the business and when i got to become the athletic director i got a chance to deal with more people more kids and uh, i i like that role but not like teaching yeah. and coaching well you, well and and you're right at the beginning we laughed about it but coaching and teaching art they're very similar you're still teaching somebody football right, right? You know, and it's just a little bit different coaching right. is. And that's the same thing I, I like, you know, I don't like telling kids like, 
you know, you you have to play JV because if you're a junior, I know there's a kid last year. I told him I was like, hey, you got to play tomorrow, and he just put his head down. He goes, ah, one of my goals is to not play JV. I go, you you only played you know four minutes tonight. This mm-hmm. is how you play, and, it, and he was fine at the game and everything. Sure. But I don't. But the same way, I same with your the red X. Like I don't like telling kids, here's you can't do something or or we have to change it, even though that's not what you want. Because mm-hmm. it's like just even like your own kids, the look on their faces when you tell them like. You can't watch right. that movie tonight right, or something. Right. You know? yeah. I don't like that look. You know? <laughs> we don't like it, but we yeah. got to do it. Yeah. We, we got to be a dad. We got to be that coach. Mm-hmm. We got to be that teacher. Yeah. Because we, if, if we don't, what kind of kids are we going to raise? Or what kind of students will we have or athletes will we have? But accountability, being honest, being upfront. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what I like most about uh, teaching and coaching is that you can help build that type of a team mm-hmm. you can help build that type of character yeah and i think parents are encouraged that too yeah oh yeah you know? and uh, before i let you go my friends would be mad at me if i didn't ask about um so when we when i was a sophomore i believe that was your your last year and you had the year before you had nail it and then you had nail it part two uh-huh. and you may have talked about it but i was a sophomore and i probably wasn't paying attention what was behind yeah the part two Right. Well, so do you know what was behind the nail at part no, one? I was a freshman. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was a freshman. So yeah, the year know. before that, we were two and eight. Okay. And uh, I had a meeting with the, the players and the juniors coming back, the sophomores coming back. We had a meeting um, a month after the season was over. I said, hey, let's not go through this again. You as athletes, our coaching staff, never again. Yeah. N-A. Okay. Never again. And so we had, a, we had a little code. We used to just tap our mm-hmm. chest like this as we walked through the hallway. That meant never again. Only the coaches and players knew that. Nobody else. We didn't tell anybody else. And so I gave them uh, what the nail it means. Mm-hmm. What does a nail do? What, what does it provide? What is a nail useful for? And so we, I gave a gold nail, a roofing nail, to every athlete. I sent it to them with this poem about what it meant for nail it. So... The people in the stands started buying hammers, these big blow-up hammers. <laughs> okay. And every kid knew the theme. Everybody was tapping the chest in the off-season and just build that camaraderie, get our little secret. But before that ever season ever came up, came to fruition, we took everything we didn't like about this past season where we were 2-8. and eight. We put it in a tennis ball, empty tennis ball container, mm-hmm. and we burned it. Probably shouldn't have burned it in the school, but no, no. we took it outside the door. Yeah. We burned it, and we went out and buried it in the field. Okay. It's over in the goalpost, the far goalpost. Now it's not there because they dug it all up. Uh-huh. We buried it. Never again are we going to go through a season like this. So yeah. what can we do about it? So part one, did you see the Lucky Charms? Yeah. Okay, so Lucky Charms sponsored our parents, and they're throwing Lucky Charms at the games and what have you. So part two is basically a carryover. Okay. A very simple carryover from part one because those sophomores were juniors, those juniors became seniors. And so uh, certainly they turned it around. They went eight and two the, the next year. Yeah. It, it was a good season. It was a bunch of good guys who, who went through a difficult time, but they persevered. Mm-hmm. They stuck together. Um, we didn't do anything special the following year. We just kept our, our heads up. We kept our loyalty to each other, players and staff. We worked just as hard as we did the previous year. And so they went from 2-8 and eight to 8-2 eight and two because they had a mission. Mm-hmm. They had a goal. And one of them was to support each other, you know, brother to brother, so to speak. Um, did not let what happened a year ago happen again. 
you know, I my friend just called uh, Jimmy Hutchison. Oh. Uh, he called me and said, "Hey man, um, I mean, can I need you to send me some Perrysburg shirts? I had he, that he lives in Texas. They had bad storms and and there was a flooding. And he goes, my nail up part two shirt got ruined, <laughs> and uh, and so there's several of us that still have that shirt. I have that shirt in the, in my basement, and I was like, okay. And, and I had a thought, and with your permission, I would like to uh, make some more nail it part two shirts, absolutely, and send them to my friends. <laughs> absolutely, so I would talk so. to Big Daddy about that. Yes, so. good." Um, but thanks, thanks again for being on the podcast. It was great uh, to hear all about you um, and uh, and everything you do. I appreciate everything you've done for the school. Um, I, you're a Perrysburger through and through, and I hoped um, whenever I do things in Perrysburg and be involved, I always think of you because I want I want to be remembered like you were remembered. So appreciate that. Thank you very much, Lorenzo, for having me. Thanks. Thanks again to my guest Ray Pullman, president of Perrysburg School Board, for being on the podcast today. He was great. Uh, I could have talked to him for two hours. In fact, after the microphones were off, we talked. For, we still talked for another 20 minutes. So it was. he was a great interview. I appreciate him being on the podcast. Thanks, as always, to Jake Peluski at Real JP Multimedia, Melanie at Cuttlefish Graphics, Jackie Durrett at Perrysburg Junior High STEM Lab, and Big Daddy Graphics. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.